Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you today from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, everyone's forgiven, but some sinners are forgiven more than others. Except we usually get it backwards. Why is it that gossip is all but condoned in the church, but the things that we have to tell you about are just terrible? Why is it that we turn a blind eye to spousal abuse, but we can't wait to talk about somebody's DUI? Why is it that we are convinced we have taught our people Christianity? If we can somehow get them to say ew whenever somebody says the word homosexuality, but nobody even thinks twice about what they watch online. Why do we assume that it's fine to cheat on your taxes since, you know, the government will waste it anyway, but we will sit closer to our purses and check our wallets if the wrong people sit next to us in church? It's not just the hypocrisy. I mean, honestly, I can get down with the hypocrisy. That makes a lot of sense. Being a hypocrite when it comes to this is just believing in something bigger than yourself. If you honestly think that you can most perfectly uphold God's Ten Commandments, well then, well, the God they reflect is not any bigger than you are. And that's not particularly impressive. If you really think that you can live up to who your God is, get a bigger God. I'm fine with hypocrisy in the church. It's that we gerrymander the lines around the cross to make sure that our sins are forgiven, but also we get to have somebody to glare at and whisper about. All sinners are forgiven. But some sinners are more forgiven than others. At least that's what it looks like when a woman comes in and nobody even needs to say what it is that she did because the whole room already knows. I'm guessing they have talked about it before. Have you ever been known by the worst thing you've ever done? Have you ever had it follow you like a shadow? Not a, we live in a small town and everyone remembers. But a, that's the first thing they think of when they see you kind of thing. So much that it becomes your everything and even your name dissolves behind the story that people will not stop telling. This woman doesn't even get a name, just a story just her sin. She is that sort of woman. She is her. And she is a stark contrast to the Pharisees. But it's not because of her tears or her hair or her perfume. It's just her presence that does it. She doesn't fit in the room, not after what she did. And you can paint similar pictures of that kind of devotion. But her desperation would be a lot more pious looking if only she were somebody who didn't actually need anything from the God that she adored. Paint two paintings, one of a nun and one of a prostitute, both kneeling at the feet of Jesus. Why is it that the one that's a whole lot more saintly looking seems to need a whole lot less from God? That's not our faith. It never has been. Christianity is Jesus for sinners. Christianity is only for those who need it. But we have this habit of doing our very best to pretend that we don't. We are the really forgiven sinners. 
Not perfect, no, but, you know, good enough. Good enough to not need to make a scene wherever we go. Good enough that people will actually use our names instead of our stories when we go out in public. Just good enough. But if you're already that good, what's the point of Jesus other than to be an object lesson to everyone else in the room about how great you are? That's the thing. When you make your sins small, whether or not you intend to, you always end up making your Christ small too. What's the point of adoring the feet of Jesus if he's just there to congratulate you for your good behavior? That's why the Pharisees don't bother, by the way. But to adore the one who would love even this woman, that's something else. To adore the one who not only holds all the things that you need, but even gives them freely to sinners. Even those kind of people. That is worthy of praise. And that's what kind of God we have. The church has historically called this woman Mary Magdalene. The scriptures never actually say, honestly, I don't care one way or the other. Let's maybe just call her baptized. Let's call her forgiven. Let's call her holy. Because that's what stands in the mouth of our Lord. Do you want to be the people who parrot the Pharisees, who parrot the forgiveness spoken by God. She is worthy of love. She is worthy of love, not because she has earned it, but because of the God who gives it. And that's the thing we ought to measure. This woman is worth the precious blood of Jesus who would die for her. She is worthy of love. It's not about how many sins somebody has to forgive but how much love is poured out for them. And God was willing to die for this gal. That's really easy to see. Just look to the cross. The word that we're looking for. Enough. It's right there. It is finished. It is enough. It's perfected. She's not forgiven more for sinning more. She is just forgiven. For God loves sinners, even those kind of sinners, even us kind of sinners so much that he would bleed and die for you and for me, that we could finally stop measuring, comparing each other and drawing lines around the cross so that we can glare at each other across the room. Our God has bled and died for you and for all so that we might know that we are holy and we are worthy of love for he has shown it to us. God died for you. He loves you so much. God calls you holy whatever you've done, whatever anyone would say. You are holy and you are worthy of love because God has poured it out for you. Look to the cross and know what kind of faith we have. Know what kind of God we have. Know what kind of life we have. For Mary Magdalene witnessed the resurrection of our Lord. Our Lord who conquered sin, forgiving it. Our Lord who conquered death, destroying it. Our Lord who gives life and gives it abundantly, not to those who deserve it, but to the desperate and the needy because he loves us. This this is easy to see. Then look to Mary Magdalene and stop telling her stories. She's not a better Christian for having a come-to-Jesus moment. Uh, I was lost and now I'm found kind of moment. She might have a perception that's different because she knows the depth of her need. But she's not there to measure forgiveness. She just kneels to beg for mercy. And she gets it. She doesn't earn it by pouring out tears or perfume but her faith has saved her. 
And that came from the Holy Spirit. That's the same faith we share. We are joined to it in baptism. We are held to it by the preaching of the word. We rejoice. The very same gift that saved even her saves even us. And all of our stories finally are washed away in the blood of the cross that we might be known simply as this. Brothers and sisters in Christ. She sees in Jesus' feet the same nail that we see that would hold her Lord to the cross for her and for you and for all. For we are the church. We don't measure anything but the cross here. And it's enough. Some sinners are forgiven more than others. But all sinners are forgiven all their sins. Look to your neighbor. And when you can't see anything but their story, look to their Savior first. See what he has done for them. He did for them even as he did for you. And so he joins us together, not because some manage to sin less than others, but because all of us are desperate and all of us need, and he provides. Here he feeds us all equally. Eat and drink. Your sins are forgiven you. This is the body and blood of Jesus. It unites us all. This is who we are now. We are holy. We are worthy of love. We are God's people. And all of God's people say, Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your heart and your mind unto life everlasting. Amen.